frequencies will range Which ones will gain, how many suckers will feel pain? Greetings and salutations, Meatsiders, and welcome to the first episode of Ask Meat Anything. I am Chris, aka Big Meaty Cool, if you didn't know already, and he is Danny, aka The Meat Guy. Danny, how the devil are you doing, my friend? Better than I deserve to be, mate. How about yourself? I am not so bad, bud, even though you've just stolen my gimmick there, but I am willing to forgive that. Uh, Yes, guys, uh, welcome to what is going to be the first of hopefully many spin-off episodes at One Man's Meat. This is Ask Meat Anything, and this is a chance for you wonderful listeners to just ask us random questions, uh, whether they be related to previous episodes, current episodes, wrestling in general, or even just general nonsense, whatever it may be. Uh, Call this a wrestling equivalent of the Uncle Dan thread over at the Marty and Fitch podcast. Uh, Whatever you want to call it, we are happy to call it that. Uh, But Danny, we're very excited to jump into these questions from the meat siders, aren't we? Oh, absolutely, mate. We've got a real mixed bag here. We absolutely do, uh, but we mean mixed bag in the nicest possible way because there is not a single bad question between them. And the debut question on the debut episode comes from good friend of the show, Witticisms of Ben, who has come up with a game of Wrestling Boggle. So, Danny, Ben has set us 30 seconds to find how many words we can find out of the following letters. Steve Blackman. So, have you got yourself a pen? Yes, I have. Have you got yourself a piece of paper? Yep. Right, mate, we have got 30 seconds starting yep. now. And that is time up, my friend. And it's just as well because my pen ran out of ink halfway through. So these are going to be coming quite a lot from memory. Uh, but, Danny, in those 30 seconds, what did you come up with? I got five. How about yourself? Uh, I Let's say I got five as well because, uh, yeah, uh, one of them is actually... Uh, not technically a word. So, yeah, I also got five. So, mate, what are your five? Um, I got Eve, Black, Steve, Man and T. Ah, very good. So, we will have a couple of these words that um, are the same then. So, (laughs) I got Black, Man, Steve, uh, Mer, which is French for the sea, and Bear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. But a lot of that was to do with panicking over running out of ink on the pen. But uh, hey-ho, that's what you get when you buy cheap pens. <laughs> no, that was quite fun. It certainly was. Uh, so what promises to be a little bit more edifying from a conversational point of view, because uh, I I will put something 
over that dead air that you gave us, but you're still having to wait 30 seconds for us to do something, is our second question, which also comes from the amazing witticisms of Ben. And this is a four-part question. So, he is looking for our Mount Rushmore of the following categories. So, we'll go through them one by one and answer them as we go. So, the first one, Danny, is our Mount Rushmore of the WWE version of ECW wrestlers. So, uh, mate, you go first. The first one on my list was absolutely test because when he debuted, that's when I became interested in ECW, well, WWE, ECW. Um, he was 29 there, or 28. He It really was a, a deserved second run after being fired while he was injured. And I think he knocked it out of the park until he got suspended and then fired um, just a couple of months later. But he really had a, a massive run there. Very good, mate. And who is your second? Mike Adamley. Wow. <laughs> that okay. Might, that, yeah, that might shock people. But um, when I first got the WWE Network, um, I just binged those 2008 ECW episodes to hear Mike Adam Lee's commentary when I thought, because I thought, oh, it's not that bad. Yes, he made a couple of mistakes. No, it was worse. Um, he <laughs> watched so many names, but it just makes me smile because somebody was enjoying this. Um, I mean, this was a year after we found out about CTE and everything like that, but it just make, it just warms my heart from being uh, a 17-year-old laughing at this when uh, it was going on at the time. And even to this day, I mean, I sent you something um, earlier, Chris, about Mike Adamley, and he just, yeah. he's just absolutely one of my favourites, and I would love to see him in wrestling now. OK, mate, fair enough. Yeah, I, I am currently um, experiencing Mike Adamley again because he... He comes in right at the start of 2008, uh, at the 2008 Royal Rumble, actually. Um, and and yes, I, I hadn't realised just how terrible he was from the very beginning. Uh, but, you know, if you like him, mate, that is fair enough. Uh, and who is your third? It has to be William Regal because... Oh, yeah, of uh, course. Yeah, um, I felt that this was the last-ditch effort to put a lead heel on the third brand of WWE and again he knocked it out of the park as well um he had his own little stable um he was cutting some great promos he had a long feud with Christian and Hurricane and yeah he'd been doing brilliant in uh, late 2009 so yeah William Regal do you know that is very good because uh, I'll be honest um I, I do need to be reminded constantly and it's always when i'm kind of flicking through to the next episode of vcw to watch because i i kind of watch it as a, a week in wwe so i start with raw then ecw and then smackdown as my kind of wrestling week um and yeah i do always need constant reminding that actually william regal was in ecw for a while yeah was he was he in a little mini faction with kozloff and um what's his face um, Ezekiel Jackson. Ezekiel Jackson, that's yeah. it. And I, I knew Ezekiel was in there, but I couldn't think whether it was a first name or a surname. Yeah, it, it was in a, a faction with us too, wasn't he? Yeah, Ruthless Roundtable. That's it, yes, and quite an underrated group they were. Uh very good, mate. So um what is your fourth? It has to be Big Daddy V. Um Okay. 
Yeah, <laughs> when uh, Big Daddy V, again, it, it's very much similar to three of the other ones. Um, well, two of the other ones. This was a, a career rejuvenation for him. Um, he'd been the world's largest love machine uh, for about two years before that. Mm. and Well, two and a half years. And uh, when he debuted here, again, this just he just looked completely just like a monster, and he fit right in with the Sci-Fi Network. And having Matt Stryker as his manager re- and his mouthpiece really helped him. I really just think he should have had a run with the ECW belt. Yeah, I'll be honest, mate. I, I, I can't say that I disagree with you, to be honest, because um, it was probably the closest that um, Viscera got to being a proper, like, out-and-out, traditional heel really wasn't it like uh yeah and i know he'd done the the heel turn in 1995 uh, for the king of the ring purposes but but even then it was just probably a very much of its time goofy heel and then yeah there was the whole like attitude era stuff which yeah the less said about that the better uh, but yeah it, it probably was um nelson fraser's best heel character actually i mean again watching it at the moment where it's around the time where the ecw wrestlers are allowed on smackdown as well so you kind of seen him mixing it up with the likes of the undertaker and mark henry and and the the great carly and i know people are gonna rag on those type of stars but when you look at that's what the main roster was in 2008 he doesn't look out of place does he really no, absolutely not. Um, I loved when they put him on pay-per-views. It was on uh, four, no, five pay-per-views in a row. And mm. um, yeah, he was supposed to be on WrestleMania as well, but um, he was, uh, I think he was ill or something like that. So, but yeah, um, definitely Big Daddy V deserves to be up there in my um, Mount Rushmore. Um, yeah. Cool. So that is actually a pretty good four that you've got there. I mean, even... Even Mike Adamley, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, I suppose he was a, a pretty decent commentator. Um, but um, I will be honest, guys. I am probably going to be holding this episode up a tad because I'm answering these questions on the fly. Uh, but again, uh, doing it uh, purely just thinking on the spot, I suppose um, mine will probably be a little bit more traditionalist, whether I mean to or not. But my my first head of the ECW wwe version mount rushmore would be rob van dam and that's not just because he was part of the original iteration but he was a guy that kind of tried to keep that spirit of ecw alive i mean if if it wasn't for him uh, there would have been a third brand but it probably wouldn't have been ecw because he pushed for that and it's where his greatest success came from in the wwe because you know he was right there from the beginning of the debut episode of the WWE version. Um, so for me, uh, he is my first head on uh, that mount, that particular Mount Rushmore. Really good choice, mate. I mean, yeah, he had a lot of momentum. Uh, I mean, you, he was like kind of like a mid-card or on Raw. Um, he had that long injury. He'd been gone over a year. And then when he came back, he was kind of like there in the Intercontinental. But then they put him in the money in the bank. And then from mm. then on, he was, yeah, perfect guy. Him and Kurt Angle were the perfect two to start ECW. Yeah, they absolutely were. Um, and then when I was looking at my second guy, just thinking on the fly, I kind of wanted to look at who was the closest to that 
Shane Douglas type, so a person who was an out-and-out wrestler who kind of won the respect of the fans, not just because he could go in the ring, but also because he had a bit of a mouth on him and kind of was that counterculture to what was going on in current wrestling at that time. Um, So for me, that Shane Douglas character, if you like, was CM Punk, who was kind of the first modern ECW champion, really, when you take away the likes of Rob Van Dam and the Big Show. Um, Quite the underrated talker, um, had every potential to him to have fantastic matches. I particularly remember his feud with John Morrison and then furthermore his feud with Chavo Guerrero uh, into 2008. Uh, so yeah, my, my second pick would be um, old Philly Brooks himself. Really good, mate. I mean, he uh, that's just the perfect way you put it because the fans were really into him from um, day one. I mean, he had uh, a lot of following from like the independent scene and things like that, but uh, ECW was the first time I saw uh, CM Punk, and yeah, I mean, he just knocked out of the park. Yeah, he really did, and yeah, that was what I liked about him, really, because I was, I was a fan of his prior to ECW, so I was really looking forward to seeing him, and it was at a point where he could have debuted at any time during that debut year of his, but, you know, they, they kept him for ECW, and I think it was the right move to make, really. Yeah, it really was. So for my third choice, um, I, I kind of wanted to go with a, a Mikey Whipwreck type, you know, that that underdog, if you will, that kind of had no right to be seen as the, the folk hero. But, you know, he did his best and he, he kind of fought tooth and nail and kind of, you know, got that legendary status as the kind of little engine that could, if you like. So for me, my third pick on my WWE CW Mount Rushmore is a man that can only be described as a toothpick on legs, but with every little bit of fight going for him, and that's Colin Delaney. Oh, now that is really a really good choice because the fans were so invested in him. Um, yeah, he had a really good match with JBL, um, which a lot of people would call a squash on a Raw. But I think, yeah, that's a, that's a really good choice, Chris. Oh yeah, thank you, mate. I mean, again, I'm I'm just starting to experience all that again, so I'm I'm right in the middle of the uh, Colin Delaney era, and yeah, it's just reminded me how underrated that character was, really. And then going into my fourth choice, I wanted to find that uh, just incredible type of like somebody that was was ready to be something big in WWE, but maybe wasn't thought of that much, so he was kind of pushed to the the smaller faction, really, to kind of build up his skills and and make something of himself. And when you're thinking of the the just incredible of the WWE CW, uh, you've got to look at none other than a man that started from the bottom and worked his way up and and really found a a kind of connection with the fans that even the original Just Incredible couldn't. And that man is Zack Ryder. Oh, yeah, that's actually a really good choice, especially on the later legs of ECW as well. Yeah, most definitely. So, yeah, he's a guy at the moment in 2008. He's primarily just a, a tag team guy and a guy that's had to become a an edge tribute act in order to actually get anything at all in WWE. So, yeah, once those guys were traded to 
individual brands. Uh, I think that's where uh, Zack Ryder really found his niche because he, he he completely changed up his look, his kind of demeanour, his his character, and I think it was the making of him really. Yeah, it really was. And props to, even though I hate doing this, props to Tommy Dreamer for um, letting um, Zack Ryder end his, his WWE career as well. I remember that happening. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, they did, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that was a big uh, step for um, Zack Ryder that really doesn't get talked about. But, yeah, um, he definitely did rejuvenate his career as well on ECW. Yeah, he really did. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, Ben. That's that's part one of your four-part question. I, I hope that's uh, been edifying for you. But we then get to part two, Danny, and I, I don't know how well we're going to do with this because um, I'll be very honest, I haven't watched a lot of this promotion, but I, I do hope to rectify this. Um, but part two is our personal Mount Rushmore's of lucha underground wrestlers um so danny do you mind if i go first on this one absolutely mate okay so um going on the four wrestlers that i probably know the most um number one for me is again a guy that's kind of crossed paths in our wrestling fandom quite a few times uh, we're currently looking at him in Wrestling Society X. Um, he has been a part of TNA. Uh, I am going to be honest, I can't even remember what it was called in Lucha Underground. Um, blame it on the beer. Uh, but I'm going to go with... Oh, no, no. I think I know his name. No, I don't. Anyway, it's it's whoever Ricky Banderas played in Lucha Underground. I I, I, I can't remember his name. I, I don't think it was King Quair, no, it, it was something else. But I'm I'm sure Ben will know and he he'll he'll correct us by the time this episode comes out. But um I, I think he played a very good role as a as a masked character. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I've just echoing what you're saying. I've the only thing I've heard about um, Lucha Underground is from the UP, UTT podcast. Um, I haven't seen it too much of it, but yeah, wonderful. So yeah, so that is that is number one. Uh, number two is for me the out and out babyface in Lucha Underground and someone that I really remember. Uh, currently playing his trade as part of the SmackDown roster over in WWE, uh, but it is the artist formerly known as Prince Puma in Lucha Underground, and that would be Ricochet. Yeah, that's a really good choice as well, mate. Thank you very much, my friend. Uh, and then, of course, Lucha Underground, you've got to look at the fact of uh, kind of who was there that was a, a known commodity uh, and somebody that was also kind of helping to train the guys, helping to produce them properly. And you've got to look no further than, of course, Chavo Guerrero. Yeah, yeah, that was, not spoiler, but that's one of mine as well. I mean, he he contributed a lot to the promotion. He absolutely did. Uh, and then, of course, you've got to look at the fact of uh, Lucha Underground were doing their absolute best to kind of bring a little bit of recognition to the company in order to make them bigger and build them as a brand. And of course, that sometimes means going outside of Mexico to find that star that's going to kind of 
give you that recognisable character, you know, someone that's drawn in millions of fans to arenas around the world, um, out-and-out um, charisma and wonderful wrestling movesets, you know, a guy that's still packing arenas now based on names alone. So my fourth choice on my Mount Rushmore of Lucha Underground would be the one, the only, never lonely, Jake Hagar. <laughs> I knew you was going to go there, Chris. <laughs> also, <laughs> while I've been waffling there, um, Ricky Banderas went under the name of Mil Muertes in Lucha Underground. So there we go. We, we got there in the end. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, I, I had to end with a silly one because I'll be very honest. Um, I, I want to be a Lucha Underground expert because I like what I've seen, but I've simply not watched enough of it, to be fair, at this moment in time. Yeah, yeah, pretty much the same for me, mate. Um, with mine, it's going to be a lot of WWE-centric wrestlers because <laughs> um, I haven't seen too much, but that's something we could change on our own show as well. Absolutely, yeah, we can we can certainly get there. It's it's one of those yeah. shows where, you know, we could do a season at a time, really, rather than yeah. having to do the full lot in one go, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, mate. So with mine, um, I would um, by force have to choose um, Jake Hagar because um, I guess, uh, and apologies to Rob for this because I know he's going to hate this, <laughs> but I guess, I guess um, just the fact that he was there and he was fresh off of um, WWE television, it's, it can make a big impact because he was a world champion in WWE. Um and he had been in the main event of WrestleMania, a main event, not the main event. And <laughs> so I guess him being there kind of, um, yeah, I would say, yes, um, Hagar. Yeah, OK, with, very good. Yeah, with my second, it would definitely be Chavo Guerrero. Um, once again, I mean, you echoed it earlier. I mean, he helped train the guys, helped produce. And I think it helped land him where he is today, where he's working with The Rock and doing... Um, things in Hollywood and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's my yeah, second. Yeah. Um, third would be John Morrison, because I still don't think this guy has passed his prime yet. Um, he's He did he had a really good match on AEW a couple months ago. I'm surprised that they didn't keep him. But it, at this point, he um, what, this would have been the mid-2010s. So, yeah, he could still go at that point. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he yeah, like like you say, he he is one of the few guys that kind of he he almost seems to get better with age, given what his style is, isn't it? Really, he, he doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon, does he? Absolutely not. And I've just seen uh, his um, audition tape on um, Tough Enough series three, I think it was, where he debuted, and uh, yeah, really, really good guy. Mm. And. The thought fourth is has got to be Paul London because even though I haven't seen much of Paul London in um, Lucha Underground, how can you not love Paul London? Oh, exactly. I know he's he's an absolute dude, isn't he? Uh, although I I will admit I, I was in the East um, ICW crowd again. I'm getting confused again. That got slightly knobbed off at the fact that it took him 40 minutes to get to the ring. <laughs> Yeah, so that would be my four. No, that is a very good four indeed. Uh, and and yeah, Ben, thank you for bringing up this uh, topic of conversation. Uh, as we get to your next topic, uh, and Danny, I, I would love you to start with this. What is your Mount Rushmore 
of wrestling theme music? Oh, so the first one has to be the one that impacted me the most, and that is The Undertaker's You're Gonna Pay theme song from 2003. Okay, yeah. 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 Silent banger, yeah. Yeah, I love it because it just fit that character um, so perfectly. And when we talked about it on our um, Buried Alive um, episode, yeah, that just, to me, that's just his best theme song, in my opinion. Yeah, very good, mate. Yeah, I can can see where you're coming from with that. Um, What's your number two? It would be the Aces and Eights theme song from TNA because that um that just fit them perfectly as well and it was uh, it took me a long time to find the lyrical version but um mm. yeah really really good theme song and one that i hope we get to hear again on impact yeah i mean i, I know they've they've recently had a an aces and eights reunion so so yeah who knows maybe we will yeah. get to hear that again but yeah again another underrated tune top tune in yeah. fact yeah absolutely um, third would be the Sandman's WWE ECW theme song. Now, now people will be like, oh, why didn't you choose um, uh, his original ECW song? That theme song really fit him perfectly, in my opinion. I mean, it was the best they could do. They're not going to pay Metallica. So, um, mm. but that was the, the bass guitar on that was very rough. And yeah, I really enjoy that. Cool, very good. And then what's going to round yourself off then, mate? The Dudley Boys 2004 theme song, which was um, Power Man 5000, I believe, who uh, played oh, that. Yeah. And yeah, that's a song that um, Bubba Ray Dudley currently uses on the independent scene. And yeah, to me, it was the Dudley Boys' ultimate uh, theme song, especially as heels, because it was a really, really good theme song. Yeah, that is that is very good, mate. Uh, yeah, that is four top choices there. Um, yeah, so so going into mine, I've I've tried to avoid uh, theme music that are actual songs that have kind of charted or been released commercially. Because uh, again, going back to the to the Sandman talk, it's like those songs are just good anyway, and it's kind of yeah. out and out. This is what we're talking about wrestling themes here rather than stuff that's been released commercially. So with with that in mind, um, my first one um, has to be my favourite one. And that is the uh, original NWO Rockhouse theme. Um, again, <laughs> it's kind of doing away with the talk of actual themes because it samples several Jimi Hendrix songs. Uh, but I, I think it comes together really well and it's... It's a song that even now, like as as soon as it plays, it just it exudes like attitude, doesn't it really? Yeah, it really does. And it always gets a pop. If you look at those mid 2010s uh, Raw episodes where the NWO would show up for like, those Legends nights or even WrestleMania, it always got a pop and it's very, very memorable. It is. And then talking of memorable... Uh, this one kind of sits in a lot of people's minds as wrestling fans, uh, sometimes for the wrong reasons. Uh, but you can't deny the fact that it's an absolute stone cold classic and it's got to be Real American by Hulk Hogan. Oh, oh. excellent. That is a really good song. Yeah. And was it you or was it somebody told me it was used for somebody before Hulk Hogan? 
It was. It was used for the team of Mike Rotunda and Barry Windham, the US Express. Uh, but yeah. they had, had long left and split up by that point. So Hulk Hogan ended up having it because I think he was using Eye of the Tiger at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, banger. Just, yeah, real American. You can't not love. Absolutely. So um, third choice would go to um, another track that kind of, I see it as timeless. Um, you either love it or hate it, um, d- depending on your thoughts on the man. Uh, but for me, it's got to be Sexy Boy by Shawn Michaels. Oh, always a good song, mate. I mean, I was just shocked when I found that Jimmy Hart was the actual, um, they actually performed on that song. I didn't know that until quite recently when he did an interview about it. Oh yeah, yeah. He he wrote it and played all the yeah. instruments and everything. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's the complete um, creative force behind that. Yeah, and it's one of wrestling's um, most. Um, I would say that has to be one of the longest uh, theme songs that someone's used because Shawn Michaels has used that well since the early nineties, hasn't he? Yeah, he, he has. Yeah, in in one form or another. Uh, so so yeah, it's it's gone through the whole duration of his career. Um, and then I kind of had to think of a, a song that was specific to a part of a person's career um, and especially to a guy that to me is the absolute number one of all time. So it would be wrong to not have this album about Rushmore Wrestling themes. Um, and that is the 1991 to 1996 Brett Hitman heart theme with that classic guitar lick and everything. Yeah, that's my favourite Um Heart Foundation slash Bret Hart theme. Um, yeah, that I mean, that is, yeah, the, it's powerful, isn't it? It is. And, yeah, like, even now, like, when I when I hear it, when I'm doing stuff for Acceptable in the 90s, I've, I've still got to stop and kind of just take stock of, of what's going on because it's just one of those themes, mate. It, it still gives me chills now. Yeah, great selections, mate. Most definitely. And Ben, these are great selections as well. And you are ending this in the right way as you want us to talk about our Mount Rushmore of feud ending match stipulations. And I'm assuming we can talk about this before a lot of our feud ending match stipulations have become the titles of pay-per-views over the last 10 years. (laughs) Certainly. Okay, Danny, so what have you got for us, mate? I did think about this one, and I'm going to save the best till last, but I would say Hell in a Cell to start off with. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. The second one would be Last Man Standing, because it's very easy to understand, and it, um, it, I always bring to mind the um, Chris Benoit versus Edge Last Man Standing match, um, which is my favourite and yeah, there's no better way to end a feud than to knock somebody out for 10 seconds with a break, is there? Absolutely. Yeah, you, you can't go wrong. No. And the third would be I quit because of the finality of it all. Like, um, there was a great quote JBL once said, it says, when you quit, you another man owns your own soul. And yeah, fantastic stipulation that I quit. It most certainly is, mate. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And then the uh, main event of my selections (laughs) is one where we've only ever seen this match one time. And I'm hoping 
with the bloodline storyline and everything like that, that we get this once again. And it is a Samoan strap match. Now, do you remember the only Samoan strap match we've seen, Chris? I can't say that I have, mate. When when did that happen? It was um, Extreme Rules 2009 with Umaga versus CM Punk. And it was the only time we got to hear Umaga speak English when he grabbed the microphone and said he challenged uh, CM Punk to the... Simone Strap match at uh, Extreme Rules, but we've never seen one ever since. So, with um, Roman Reigns and everything like that on SmackDown, I think we could see this again, hopefully. Yeah, maybe that could be cool, mate. So, yeah, that is a uh, that is four good choices there, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. How about you? Okay, so um, I agree with you on my first one. Uh, th- this is at least until it was a match that was put on because one person looked at another person the wrong way backstage. Uh, but I've I've always liked the idea of Hell in the Cell as a, as a match-ending uh, stipulation. Yeah, yeah, you can't go wrong with that. Most definitely not. Um, and again, by that token, um, my second choice would be the casket match because I think there's something very final to putting somebody away in a casket and I never thought I'd say that because up until recently it wasn't a stipulation that I thought about that much. Yeah, yeah, that's a cool one. And then um, the third one, uh, again, yeah, probably something like a, a last man standing match because, again, you've, you've absolutely got to beat your opponent in final submission, really, so... So, yeah, uh, it's it's certainly got its place as a match ender, hasn't it? Yeah, it really has, mate. And it's like, we I mean, two wrestlers absolutely hate each other, so we're going to prove just by knocking the other one out. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then my last one uh, probably does need to be a, a, a feud ender because of what happened with it. And it's got to be, for me, a loser leaves match um and I, I know we don't see them an awful lot but it used to be a way to kind of get somebody out of the company whose contract was going to expire and yeah there's just something about that particular match that kind of resonates with me yeah yeah that's a really good one as well the only um one i remember that sticks to mind was when uh john cena lost to the nexus and um he came back two weeks later <laughs> Exactly, yeah, that was probably the the last one of those, yeah, so um, un, unfortunately, but yeah, it, it used to mean something, let's say that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> Lovely, so thank you, Ben, for that pair of questions there, and uh, we now turn over to Danny, who is going to go through our next couple of questions, aren't you, mate? Absolutely, mate, and we've got a really good one um, from... The legend and good friend of the show, Steve-O, Total Steve-O, who asks, what do you think of current day WWE if you watch? So, Chris, I'll hand this one over to you first, mate. Okay, mate. So, um, I I will admit, I, I do consider myself um, a watcher of the current product. Um, not, not in the strictest sense. I... I pretty much go by the network, so I I don't have a a BT Sport subscription, so I I don't watch Raw or SmackDown week in week out. I mean, in in fact, I don't watch Raw or SmackDown at all. So my viewing of the current product is 
purely based on NXT on the network, which is a week behind current NXT, and then the the premium live events. So what I see of it, I don't actually mind, but I suppose that's because I'm not watching it week in, week out. And I can kind of see a lot of the problems that people have got with the current product because, you know, there's it's all a bunch of recycled feuds and the same guys week in week out uh, but for me it's just the same guys month in month out so it doesn't massively bother me to be honest so I suppose by that token I would call myself a fan of the current product although I will always state that um, it used to be better um, and the older stuff um, even stuff from 10 years previous walks all over what we're watching now mate um what what yeah. do you think do, do you watch the current products at all um the only current product i watch is very much like you just previous um premium live live events um i love the fact that um they went they switched to saturday nights wwe rather than sunday nights so and a lot of them because of the saudi arabia deal a lot of them end up being about six o'clock to seven o'clock at night Um, on a Saturday so it brings back that old wrestling tradition that I've only heard about where people used to sit down on a Saturday evening and watch wrestling you almost get that vibe again and um, I love it I just yeah it um, as far as the uh, product itself I think it is getting a bit better but especially with the bloodline stuff I mean you can be fully Mm. invested in that but I think everything else is a bit um, just kind of a bit dry. I mean, you've got the Cody Road stuff that's going on with Brock Lesnar. It's a bit unrealistic, um, especially when they said he had a broken arm and they let him wrestle anyway. Yeah. Um, everything else. Um, I mean, I can, you can see see it is improving. They're trying their best, but. It's nothing compared to 2003, 20 years ago. You said um, 10 years ago, Chris. I'll always go 20 years ago um, <laughs> when I was at my peak fandom. And, um, yeah, it just, you, you kind of, like, I find myself, when watch trying to watch it, um, I just look on YouTube on a Tuesday morning and see the raw highlights. And I always say to myself, like would I skip this or or click on this? And it mostly is skip. It's like I don't care about what um, Austin Theory is doing. I don't care about what this person's doing. Up, up, up. And then yeah, it just turns out to be like a five minute, um, like a little clip that I watch from from the three hours of Raw. So yeah, I would. Um, it, I can see it in short, it's getting better, but there's hmm. still improvements to be made. Yeah, there is. I mean, I I think they've got a long way to go before they become essential viewing and that that is the same for both companies i mean you know we we do try to stay positive here and it, it's it's the simple fact of the matter of you know if it's something that you don't like just fast forward until you get to something you like whether it be wwe or AEW. um but but yeah um the little corner of the main products that I watch, I do enjoy. But I think if I was watching it week in, week out, I'd, I don't think I would like it as much as I do. So, yeah, let's let, let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, let's do <laughs> Yeah. But, Steve, uh, thank you for the question, pal. And, yeah, it's always fun to interact with you. Um, 
and yeah i i would I, I would love to come onto your podcast at some point mate so do do keep badgering me um one of these days i will have five minutes for you and of course and of course uh Danny has uh, done uh, absolutely many, many star turns on the Total Steve-O podcast. And uh, guys, if you're not listening to it, please do, because it's excellent content week in, week out, isn't it, mate? It really is, mate. I mean, you've, I think, not watched um, 2011 WWE at all. If you want to find out what was good and what was bad, go on that, because it is brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Could not agree more. Uh, but, mate, what's the next question you've got for us on this list? So, we have a question from the brilliant UTT Rob, and he asks, which bands that haven't appeared on WSX would you like to see to have seen perform and do commentary for the show? Wow. Um, okay. Uh, why don't you go first, Dan? Yep, yep. So... I chose, I put a four together. Um, Mm -hmm. I put the Insane Clown Posse because they're wrestling fans. I put Motorhead. I put Alien Ant Farm, which I know might grind your your gears, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, oh, two more, actually. I've put Saliva and Drowning Pool because Mm. at that stage, 2007, they weren't their hottest, but they were still... I mean, they're well-known wrestling fans and they've done so many um, WrestleMania songs and pay-per-view theme songs. I think they would have had a blast. And yeah, I mean, each um, band on this list are wrestling fans as well. So that's why I chose that, because as we've learned, when they're not wrestling fans, the commentary can be a bit dry. But when they are, they are invested. Yeah, very good. And yeah, yeah. Um... Who knows? And uh, I, I know the Insane Clown Posse are definitely wrestling fans, so it would be really interesting to hear what they had to say. Is uh, most most definitely, they, they would have probably jumped into the ring. <laughs> probably so. Yeah, <laughs> that that could have been something <laughs> for season two, couldn't it? Absolutely, mate. But which bands would you have chosen? Okay, mate. So yeah, I'll I'll try and come up with four again. Uh, so yeah, going with the whole. Juggalo vibe, uh, but one of the, I suppose, at the time, smaller Juggalo acts, although they would probably uh, start a beef with us over that now. Um, I'd go with Twisted. Yeah. Right. They they like wrestling themselves, and I think they'd bring a lot to the product, um, especially Jamie Madrox. He is, like, crazy entertaining. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's that one. Uh, number two, um, just just for pure comedy effect, um, I'd have on Black Sabbath. Mm. Yeah, it could work. <laughs> yeah, um, mostly because I don't think Ozzy would have any idea what was going on. And I think someone like Tony Iommi would probably just be asleep at the booth. Yes, <laughs> it wouldn't <laughs> be the first one. <laughs> totally not. No, so so that that would be fun. And then uh, let's see that they often have the odd um, rapper on, don't they? So uh, let's see. Anybody current that I'd maybe like to see what they thought of wrestling? Um, actually, yeah, uh, I'm I'm going to be a little bit too cool for school here, but there's a a new artist that I quite like that's kind of bringing that. When I say old school, I mean like early two thousands vibe back into hip hop. And it's a guy by the name of Armani White. 
and um, I'd, I'd quite like to see how he would react to Wrestling Society X. Um, yeah, he's, he's quite an interesting cat. His, his music's brilliant. Um, so, yeah, um, even if it was just for him to to perform one of his tracks on, on the show, at least. Uh, but I, I, I think he'd bring a lot to the commentary game, personally. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, nice little list. And do you have and any more, bro? I've got one more, um, yeah. um, pro- probably because they're one of my favourite bands of all time. And again, um, another shout out to Steve here. Um, but I would love the Howard Jones iteration of Kill Switch Engage to uh, maybe do a turn on a future episode of Wrestling Society X, see what they had to say about what was going on. Yeah, that would have been pretty cool as well. Yeah, it, it most definitely would. And uh, yeah, who knows? Um, you know, if if they ever bring it back, then maybe we could get those eight acts in for a for an eight episode series. eh? Let's hope, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but we have another, um, I suppose, question slash activity from UTT Rob. Who has suggested that we play the wrestler name game, which is the same theory as drink while you think. So the rules for this is that the first person names a wrestler, and then the second person has five seconds to name a wrestler with a first name starting with the first letter of the previous wrestler's last slash only name. So I suppose. What that would be is if one of us was to say, I don't know, Rick Steiner, yeah. the second person could say Scott Steiner, because obviously the surname begins with an S, and then take it from there. So are you yeah. are you ready to train wreck this, mate? Let's let's give it a whirl. <laughs> Lovely. So who wants to go first? I'll let you go first, mate. Okay, mate, fair enough. Um I'll I'll try and uh Throw you a, an underarm for the first one. Uh, let's say, um, oof, Rick Rude, Ray Mysterio, oh, Mike Modest, Maria, oh, Mike Bennett, Bobby Lashley, oh, Lash Larue. Time's up. Ah. <laughs> oh, that was fun. We are going to have to bring say, that into every episode yeah, of this, aren't we? Definitely, but I'll I'll try with you now. Okay, mate, you go. So, Doug Basham. Oh, Bobby Lashley. Oh, there you go, yeah. Um, Stacey Keebler. Kidman. There you go, yeah. <laughs> um, Mickey James. Oh. Jesse James. Oh, good one, yeah. Um, Road Dog. Oh. Danny Basham. Oh, yeah. Um, hmm. Let's try. That's five. Yeah, that's five. There you As go. As in five <laughs> seconds. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. 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 There you go. I have to take a drink. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that was fun. Yeah, we could do that again. Yeah. Well, shall we? 
Oh, if you don't mind, yeah, I would. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Uh, right, let's go for Chris Jericho. Jesse from um, Festus and Jesse. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> Jimmy Hart. Hulk Hogan. Oh, Harry Smith. Santino Morello. Oh. <laughs> Mike Modest. Michael McGillagotti. Oh. <laughs> Mr. C's. Oh, I can't get that one. <laughs> Time's up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, that is fun. Thank you, Rob. Yeah. We are going to bring that into every single episode of Ask yeah. Meet Anything. Yeah, that is really good. Uh, okay, we have got two questions to finish us up. Um, so our first one comes from the awesome King Pigs Bladders, who asks us that if we could add one non-wrestling talent to the WSX roster, like a valet, manager, commentator, etc., who would it be and why? Uh, so, Danny, who have you got for us? I have somebody that can... Ignite heat on the internet um, like no mm-hmm. other. Um, somebody with the initials JC, and everybody thinks right now I'm talking about one man, but it's not him. It's Jonathan Coachman. <laughs> oh, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, I would choose Jonathan Coachman because I would have him as the ultimate heel where, I mean, he, first off, he was a brilliant heel in WWE when they turned him heel. Nobody saw that coming, for one. The True. second reason is I think he could act as a really good um, manager for, let's say, an ex-WWE guy stable because everybody hates the coachman. Nobody likes him. <laughs> and he is a total WWE creation where he'd never... He's never done anything outside of WWE in terms of wrestling. So, I mean, when he tweets, people just react and they're just like, you know, nothing. You only worked in WWE, you didn't do the indies. I think he's a very effective heel. And I would love to see him have a WWE stable because it was the perfect role for him was when he, um, along with the Raw and SmackDown guys, invaded ECW One Night Stand. That was perfect for him because, like I said, he's a WWE creation. It's like he's almost like Michael Cole, where because they haven't done anything outside of WWE, they don't get that much respect from the fans. And yeah, so my one would be Jonathan Coachman. Yeah, that is that's a great call, mate. Actually, I, I would have never thought of that. So yeah, nice one, pal. Cheers, mate. Who are you uh, choosing? Okay, so I'm probably going to be a little bit obscure here um but I, th- I think this plays into especially 2007 uh wrestling society act as such i mean it would it would have to because he's he's no longer alive uh but if we're taking away from the fact of whether or not people have have lived or died um i would have added um as a manager in particular and i think he could have had quite a decent stable of guys in wsx uh i would have chosen sweet and sour Larry Sweeney. I don't know if you're familiar with the guy at all. I think, was he... Um... No, no, I don't really know. Was he associated with the NWO? 
Uh, he was he was primarily a Ring of Honor guy, uh, oh. Ring of Honor and Shakira, but he, he was very much in the vein of the Bobby Heenan type of wrestlers, uh, sorry, type of managers. Uh, but he also wrestled as well um, from time to time. He, he kind of, he, he came up with a belt called the Texacana Heavyweight Championship, which was essentially what the... 24-7 title ended up being in that, you know, it could be defended any time, any place, anywhere, but he'd always end up winning it back. Um, but I I really liked him. He was a, a throwback to those classic managers, but he was a fantastic talker and really brought a lot to the modern product as well. So, yeah, um, he, he's quite prominent like, between... 2007 and 2009 in Ring of Honor with a, a stable called um, Sweet and Sour Enterprises, I think. So oh. very underrated. It, it'd probably be a guy that, had he stayed alive, um, he would have probably been doing something for, well, he would have ended up doing something for WWE, uh, but would have probably ended up in AEW, I think. But he would have been one of the few bright spots in that company. Oh, brilliant. I'll go and check him out because... Uh... If there's one thing wrestling needs now, seriously, is decent managers. So yeah, we'll do, we'll it does. Take it yeah, yeah, it's it's the one thing that's missing from current wrestling, really, isn't it? Is a yeah. an out and out classic wrestling manager. And there's there's a few people that are doing it right, like um, Robert Stone, and yeah. I know a lot of people have gone off him, but I I still quite enjoy Smart Mark Sterling. Yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, he's the more. Uh, two brilliant names you've just brought up there because the more over-exaggerated they are when they're managing, the funnier that they are and the more entertaining that they are. Most definitely they are. And uh, and yeah, there's there's a whole cachet of guys that we could have put into that slot in Wrestling Society X. Um, we could have maybe come up with at least 10, which brings us to our last question of this episode coming from um, a king among men, um, an absolute legend will one day be half the man he is because he's going on an absolute weight loss journey right now. And that is Dan Griffin at Dan Griffin 21 on Twitter. And he asks us that if we could relaunch Wrestling Society X using modern talent, which 10 wrestlers would we use to start our roster? Um, so, Danny, why don't you go first for us, mate? What 10 would you be bringing to a modern day take on Wrestling Society X? This was much harder than I anticipated because a lot of the wrestlers I loved um, are either passed away or they're just retired or they're doing nothing. So I went through the entire um, wrestling rosters of who's actually wrestling today. So um, I chose um, for the 10 choices, um, Gangrel, Billy Gunn, Eddie Kingston, Brock Lesnar, Roderick Strong, Wardlow, Seth Rollins, Jimmy Jacobs, Matt Seidel, and AJ Styles. Nice. I like that. <laughs> it's because you've got a, a good mixture of like veterans, legends, um, up and comers, and um, yeah, and a, a nice throwback to WSX with Seth Rollins and Jimmy Jacobs too. Yeah, most. Definitely. Um, yeah, that's that's excellent, mate. And I think we'd have quite the quite the stable there. Um, I've just come up with six based on that. So I think I'm going to have to 
completely <laughs> wing my final four. Um, but when you look at the fact that Wrestling Society X was a real mixture of talent, so you did have the high flyers, but you also had a combination of like hardcore wrestlers and like underrated heavyweights and stuff like that. Um, my first choice would be, uh, and this is quite surprising for me, but a guy that's made a name more in the UK as a deathmatch wrestler, although he is quite an underrated grappler in himself. And for me, he would be a modern day Mick Foley if he was that way inclined. But there is a, a deathmatch wrestler by the name of Rory Coyle, which Dan yeah. will be happy for me to mention because he's a fan of him as well. Um, I think he would fit right in with the modern day WSX. Um, but of course, we need an Alcatraz slash Aaron Aguilera type. So my second choice, uh, same as yours, would be Wardlow. Very good, man. And yeah, Rory Powell was someone Dan has told me about as well. And his promo ability is just off the charts. Yeah, it is. Like, even if you've not watched any of his matches, there's a ton of his promos on YouTube. And that was how I got into him, actually, was it, it was the promos before his matches. So, but yeah, he is very good. Yeah. Um, thirdly, and again, this is this is drawing from the big company, but this is a guy that I think has unparalleled talent. Um, I, I genuinely don't think he's being used in the right way right now. But that may uh, soon come to pass uh, with the fact that his tag team partner is currently injured. But uh, my third choice would be Ricochet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've I've got a lot of time for him. Um, I I don't think he's just a flippy do guy. He's a he's, he's a guy whose whose talent really goes before him. So yeah, I would like to see him highlighted as that kind of out and out Matt Seidel type. Yeah. Um, my fourth choice is kind of probably someone that would end up being a modern day Matt classic, but without having to put a mask on, and that would be Zack Sabre Jr. Yes, that's a great choice. <laughs> and then five and six are guys that are an absolutely banging tag team, but are also wonderful singles wrestlers by themselves, um, a lot like the tag teams that we get in Wrestling Society X. Uh, so that would be um, five and six would be the pairing of Chris Bay and Ace Austin. Ah, yeah, I could see that as well. I mean, they're doing brilliant on uh, Impact, so yeah. Yeah. And then my my seventh choice, um, believe it or not, is a female wrestler, Danny. Um, hide, oh. hi, hide your shock. Uh, <laughs> but I I think this this particular wrestler has all of the tools, um, regardless of gender. Um, somebody that is going to bring wrestling kicking and screaming into not not just the 21st century where we are now but the 22nd century where we are and that would be Masha Slamovich yeah could see that wonderful um I'm gonna cheat a little bit my my eighth choice is going to be a tag team so this is two guys that I'm considering as number eight because I think if we've got Bay and Austin we need to have at least something in line for a tag division and it's going to be two guys who, again, are quite the underrated team, quite the up-and-coming team, 
uh, a team that I think would not have looked out of place in 2007 or right now, uh, especially with the resurgence of uh, hip-hop being more of a thing. And again, totally biased because these are my guys, but it's going to be the acclaimed. Yes, I could see that as well. They're massively over. Exactly. So therefore, if I'm going with the acclaimed, um, this is going to make my choice of a legend to carry Wrestling Society X all the more easier. So number nine is going to be Billy Ass. Yes, he's on both of our lists. <laughs> exactly. And then number 10, um, I suppose I need to go with somebody that may not necessarily be my cup of tea as a wrestler, but somebody that a lot of people do like and somebody that will uh, definitely get um, the eyes on this particular show because he's he's bigger than I thought, um, regardless of the fact that I can't stand the guy and he is a cancer on wrestling. Uh, but number 10 would be, and I'm very sad to say this, Orange Cassidy. Ah. Yeah, you've got to get those casuals in, Chris. <laughs> you you certainly do. Um, and it, it certainly says a lot that he's probably going to be the guy that will get people watching our version of Wrestling Society X. But I think between our 20 guys, we have got quite the roster there, should we ever, um, you know, make a pitch for season two. Yeah, let's do it, mate. Let's contact somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. Let's let's get ourselves into several million pounds worth of debt. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, we do thank you for taking the time to ask us these questions. Uh, this went longer than I thought it would, but that's good. Um, there there will be a part two and a three and a four and a five, etc., etc. Uh, we'll just put a new thread up once a month, and then we will get together and answer the questions accordingly uh, because we love giving you guys new content uh, but Danny while we are here uh, why don't you tell the meat sides where else they can reach you yep you can find me on twitter at Scottish Juggalo you can hear me on One Man's Meat podcast with the great Chris Bellis here you can hear me on Back When with the great Ty Peters and you can hear me on Nitro Nights with the great Cy Powell and yeah we'll be here next time to, uh, I mean, we just discuss we discuss a lot of topics, don't we, Chris? We really do get at me. Yes, uh, we have got uh, cold cuts coming up again, where we're going to be looking at the last few weeks of Wrestling Society X. Um, we are very much looking forward to dropping the bomb on what season two is going to be. Uh, we have got an episode coming up where we discuss the original iteration of the Nexus, which I'm really looking forward to going into. And of course, we occasionally uh, are welcomed by Rob and Dan onto unbooking the Tankatory for Tank Talk, which is sadly coming to an end. Uh, and sadly, this episode is coming to an end as well, because we've really enjoyed ourselves doing this, haven't we, mate? Absolutely, mate. I've made six pages out of this, so <laughs> it was wow. really good. It was, and yeah, we would love to do this again, guys. So, like I say, we'll put a new thread up, and uh, yeah, ask, ask away. Uh, the the sillier, the better, absolutely. But um, yes, guys, do enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you for corresponding with us. And in the meantime, and in between time, stay beefy, meat cider.